Kia and welcome to Cinema in Context, where we discuss all things film and the connections between. My name is Jeremy Downing. I'm Sarah Watt. I'm William Chen. And I'm Max Tarrant. And each month at Cinema in Context, we discuss two films, one current and one retrospective, with some connection. It could be the same director, the same actor, or a similar theme. And this month we are discussing Wonder Woman, which came out this year, and Barbarella, which came out way back in 1968. And the connection is, they're both female action heroes. Uh, we'll start off, I think, with Barbarella. Let's let's get a bit of a, an understanding of, of what we're in for. William, what, what's Barbarella all about? Um, well, I, I want to start off with a little thing I wrote, which is, um, yeah, last night I, I saw a comic book adaptation starring a female protagonist as a strong-willed warrior thrust into a dark and unrelenting world, but who overcomes adversity through a purity of spirit. Wow. But enough about Barbarella. Ah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Barbarella is, is based on the um, French, uh, I, I guess, I think French-Belgium? French? Um, erotic sci-fi comic uh, from back in the 50s. Um, it came out in ni- 1968, directed by Roger Vadim, uh, starring his then-wife, Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda. Yes. yes. Sorry, I was going to say the other Fonda. Whoops. No. Uh, <laughs> not Peter nor Henry. Just Jane and not Ma- Bridget. Ma- many, yeah. many Fondas. That's, that's, that's the, the other version. That would be an interesting rewrite. <laughs> mm. Do you know, apparently, they were thinking of doing a sequel starring Bridget Fonda. Which wow. Is mm. Pretty incredible. Wait, wasn't it going to be called Barbarella Goes Down? Oh, oh man. Oh, wow. Keep going. <laughs> okay, so anyway. This, ba- this, this discussion's falling apart already. <laughs> Barbarella is a space explorer or adventurer in the 40-41st century, um, and the movie covers her adventures. Uh, I guess she just kind of wanders around, falling into these weird situations. <laughs> Literally falling. She, yeah, falling. Fall she falls a lot, yes. Yeah. Um, and there are some crazy sets. There's a lot of weird Italian influence on the whole thing. Um, it's Well, I, I found it really, really fun, really campy, and yeah, just a, a very interesting look at an, an early take on the comic book adaptation. Great. And Sarah, do you want to give us a bit of a overview of Wonder Woman? I feel as though we all have a fair idea about Wonder Woman, so I, so I shall simply go to IMDb, who uh, tells us pithily, Before she was Wonder Woman, she was Diana, princess of the Amazons, trained warrior. When a pilot crashes and tells of conflict in the outside world, she leaves home to fight a war to end all wars in the process, discovering her full powers and true destiny. And of course, Wonder Woman came out 2017. It's directed by Patty Jenkins, whose, um, whose film Monster won Charlize Theron uh, an Oscar back in the day about Eileen Vornos, the uh, female serial killer. Um, and it stars Gal Gadot, who was once upon a time Miss Israel, um, and is indeed a, a beautiful supermodel and actress, and Wonder Woman is part of the DC comic universe. I, I, can I kick off and just say that it is actually, in terms of this new universe that DC are creating, it's the only film that I have found remotely coherent. Who's part of that new universe? So that's Man of Steel. Um, I haven't, Batman mind you, to be honest, I actually haven't seen most of them. I haven't mm. seen Batman vs Superman and, and Suicide Squad, so it's a bit of a bold claim. <laughs> oh, they're all part, it's, it's part of that universe. Yeah. 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 And, it's, and it's redeeming it, you know, it's giving Marvel a run for its money. 
at long last, I think, after I think a, a so. series mm-hmm. of it is. So, and, yeah. And I think, um, and again, just to kind of jump straight into a discussion about Wonder Woman, what I really enjoyed about Wonder Woman was it wasn't trying to be this confusing, <clears throat> convoluted mess that a lot of the films are these days. It was relatively simple and yeah, straightforward. Yeah. Um, we have her origin story, um, and... It was a lot of fun. There was so much humour in this film that, mm-hmm. for me, those DC films do not have. They take themselves so flippin' seriously. Yeah. And it's like, come on, guys. This is a superhero comic book world. Mm. You can make it a bit gritty and real, but at the end of the day, it's still someone wearing a costume, yeah. going around, uh, you know, the logic falls <laughs> falls through pretty and, quickly if you take and, yourself too seriously. And there are, well, there are some quite earnest moments, but it does that on the back of the politics, I think. Like, when she finally puts on her... Um, costume, which is probably a moment we could talk about for a while, but I don't know if we want to. But when she finally but it's does, it's different from Barbarella it's... taking off her costume. Yeah. <laughs> so there's your counterpoint. But okay, not earnest at all. Anyway, sorry. Um, Back to completely Wonder revealing. Woman. Yeah. Um, but when she does that, when she finally puts on the costume, it's one of the most earnest moments I've seen in cinema in a long time. Just like it, just fully goes. Uh, kind of almost cliched mm-hmm. and everybody in the cinema you're like it's it's a funny moment actually isn't it because it kind of divides the audience I felt like it's like either you're with them or you're not with them at all mm. in that moment it's like oh this is, is this, quite intense yeah. is this when she goes into no man's sorry hands? yes yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and it's just kind of done in such a cliched way but it's all about the female empowerment yeah. at that point and you're like and I was I was like a little bit at a distance to that day. I was like, oh, can I be in this place? Can I be in the zone with the rest of the viewers here? Mm. And I think I just kind of could carry into that, but mm. not, it's, it's a bit weird, eh? It's a bit of a weird moment. It's a bit mm. cliche. You make an interesting point about the earnestness. And one thing that I really felt in Wonder Woman, quite aside from what I felt as a woman and as a female critic, blah, blah, which we might get onto, but one thing that's really endearing about Wonder Woman is that Gal Gadot plays her completely straight-faced. And I think earnest probably is, is ever so slightly unfair because she's not earnest in a, in a, in a dull way. Um, that, or even that, a naive way, I would say. Well, interestingly, I, I feel naive. as though she is naive. Yeah, I thought she's different. But she's not naive in a, oh, you can take advantage of my stupidity no. way. She's naive in an endearing, I believe in love, furrowed yeah. brow. So why would people be fighting? What is the point of this? Um, and, and interestingly, there is actually a... Um, uh, a similarity with Barbarella because Barbarella's like um, war, mm. but why would anyone mm. invent a weapon? Mm. And so one similarity that leapt out at me in Barbarella is that she's sort of living very much, she's trained in everything, but she's living very much more in a world where everybody says love to each other. Mm-hmm. And Wonder Woman was all about how, well, shouldn't we just love each other? Mm. So Interesting. Gal- I hadn't, yeah. hadn't made that connection. So Gal Gadot, I mean, um, Diana Prince is is earnest to the extent that she's not hamming it up. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and she is naive to the extent that she doesn't really see why this should all be a problem, but it, it doesn't weaken her. And I think that's one of the compelling things about Wonder Woman. She's not a dafty. She's definitely not a damsel in distress who needs saving. She's just somebody who's really good to the core. You know, there's no cynicism whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know, And there are manifold examples of that in the script. Um, where she's talking to um, Chris Pine's character about um, 
sexual relations and that sort of thing, you know, rather than coming across as someone who's like, oh, I don't really know, why are you doing this <laughs> sort of thing? She does know, and it's very matter-of-fact. It's, yes, it's something that you do for procreation, and we, but we don't need men, thank you, if we want it for pleasure, and blah, 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 you know? Well, that is an interesting... It, it does make these films a, a good comparison then, mm-hmm. because Barbarella is... is that naive with just like oh I'm just going to get taken advantage of so that that just that little shift between 50 years or whatever it is is actually you know that's that's a significant shift to go from there to there and I know that there's lots of other shifts in the film obviously mm. Barbarella is this sexploitation movie which mm. we can talk about at length but that little shift is in some ways the key I, I guess I'm, I'm thinking as well about they've both got a scene effectively on a travel vessel yes. where they both share a, a bed at the front yes. of the vessel, don't they? So, yes. so in Barbarella, it's it's very much it's ter- it's so terrible. I was just like, holy crap! Like he's like, he... I, I would like you to let me make love to you. Yeah, and she's like, okay. But she says to him, I've got it written here. She says she meets this chap. He proposes to make love to her, and she is very straight faced about it. So you could say earnest, but whatever. Yeah. She's straight faced about needing psychocardiogram readings, and is very matter of fact. All right. Well, I suppose we can. Mm. That's fine. So not exploited. Yeah. No, it's very it's indicative true. of the there are, yeah. 60s, 60s attitudes towards yeah, sex. Yeah, that's what I yeah. think. That's what complicates it. It's, it is. It becomes quite a complicated issue in that sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you can't just say, "Well, no, she's exploited." At least not throughout the movie. No. There are definitely moments where she's clearly just taken advantage of by men who are staring at her boobs and telling her, "Don't bother putting your clothes on." Yeah, um, that's right. Um, we can have this briefing session while yeah. I just. And then <laughs> he's, he's staring at her boobs yeah. through the television set. Yeah. He's just like, uh, yeah, obviously the listeners can't see that, but um, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what my point was. Oh, that's the problem with Barbarella. <laughs> so I think to, to shift gears, the director was feeling. It yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, what was my point here? Barbarella. I mean, it opens with her derobing, doesn't it, or de de astronaut yes. suiting. Totally. Um, and it's like, okay, this is... It, it really makes a statement right off the bat, yeah. sort mm-hmm. of film you're in. Yeah. And uh, I was just laughing and smiling before it even... From that moment on, because I just didn't really... Because, I mean, I put forward Barbarella as a potential film, yeah. and none of us mm-hmm. had seen it. No. And I, I had some inkling that it was sexploitation, but I didn't realise it was actually going to have nudity. Um, and and was, right at the beginning, right the titles beginning. haven't even ended, and there's boobs. And then yeah. I, I was reading an interview with uh, the director saying that that's what he wanted. You know, you, you came for this? Well, I'll give it to you. Right yeah. up. Right yeah. up. This is what you came for. Let's mm. not beat around the bush. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, do you know what? I, so I was watching the opening titles thinking, <laughs> what are they making me watch for this podcast? <laughs> and I thought, oh, I wonder how they're doing the shot. Because you remember at the very beginning of Barbarella, she's sort of suspended in yeah. space, yeah, a I little bit like well. Sandra Bullock in Gravity. Mm. You know? Yeah, Sandra the, Bullock, um, she's the in the fetal sort position. Of, that's yeah. right. Except Sandra Bullock, of course, doesn't take all her clothes off. Um, now, so Barbarella is suspended, and I'm looking at the special effects and thinking, oh my gosh, do I have to sit through 98 minutes of this? But I, so I'm thinking, how are they doing this shot? It's not a special effect. She's it's a visual lying effect. on a bed. Mm-hmm. She's, and you can tell because of the way her hair moves and that. So she, Jane Fonda, is lying on a bed, squirming around in a very sexual way um, that, as you say, is then sort of um, superimposed um, to make it look as though she's in a spaceship and that she is hanging upside down, not lying flat. It wasn't superimposed. They had uh, images underneath her. She was lying on plexiglass. Oh, right. So it was a visual oh. effect. It was happening in very camera. Clear. It wasn't, it wasn't a special but she's, But she's still lying on a bed, writhing around. And that yeah. is, boom, that's how she's generating so much sexuality mm-hmm. um, um, right from that opening 
shot. But you know? talking about the effects, yeah. Um, were you? I mean, that, there's amazing design in there, oh, right? I, that, I agree, yeah. Absolutely mind blowing. And, and some just, of the design, it, it I love be, it. It gets better and better and better as the and movie goes on that as well. Physical material. It's like yeah. arts and crafts. It's like <laughs> yeah. these little devices and buggies and and the the, the kind of cuttlefishy kind of squid thing that <laughs> carries yeah. her along like this you know material you can you can feel how sticky and yucky it is yeah. and it kind of carries her along on a sled it's pretty amazing yeah, I've stuff. written down production design is phenomenal in this film mm. like the labyrinth unique is, the unique. labyrinth is amazing yeah. and you can see like Terry Gilliam and you can see uh, Jim Henson story as well yeah, yeah all Hansen, those yeah. films they, they're pulling from this movie it felt very 1970s 80s Doctor Who to me oh yeah you know when you look back and you can see the Daleks feet moving I love and that this sort stuff, of though. thing you know? well that's I nice that's that, good that you yeah. do whereas I'm now raised on like really high tech special <laughs> effects and I'm like this is sure <laughs> you know anyway yeah. I was talking to um, Doug Siri your husband you might know him yes um, <laughs> earlier, earlier today how was he <laughs> and he, him and I were disagreeing. We both, he sort of said this to me, and I was like, I wrote that down in my notes. It's like a kid's film with sex. Yeah. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, with a, like I could almost show this to my niece and nephews if it wasn't for all the sex. Yes. You know? yeah. um, because it's so colourful and... Yeah, the, the and, production design is just so creative. And so um, simple. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. As well. Like that scene where they're in the, the realm of dreams or whatever it is with, mm-hmm. the, with the, the glass um, circles and the... That's amazing. Like the psychedelic imagery of oil and the yeah. oh, that was cool. Yeah, yeah. that was very, fun. Very cool. It was a lot of fun. I also love how one the the main thread in the movie they're basically being attacked by like a. Um, a lava lamp. I mean, that's what it looks like. <laughs> <laughs> it makes no sense. Uh, that's a good tagline for the movie. They should use that. Yeah, yeah attack at the lava lamp. I think the music. We've we've a brief discussion beforehand. The music for me was the star. Um, I loved the music and. I found out when I was reading about it that David Gilmour from Who's the Heart of Pink Floyd was yes. one of the key yeah. session musicians for the for oh, soundtrack. Wow. And I was like, no wonder, because Pink Floyd is my my favourite band of all time. Mm-hmm. And I just, if, between the production design and the great music, um, I was really happy. The rest of the film was just so awful. But <laughs> that, that, that for me was but, just but, but so impressive. Was it, was it, Jeremy? Was it awful? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> I definitely agreed. I, I was telling um, all of you guys yesterday that I, I want the soundtrack to be the soundtrack of my life. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's this weird, like, 60s lounge yeah, elevator totally. music. Do, yeah. do you imagine uh, yourself writhing around on the bed <laughs> and as you wake up in the morning, yeah. just taking off your clothes for some reason? The, the thing, the, see, the issue for me is the music in itself is lovely, and it, it's totally emblematic of all 1960s films, whether it's crime capers or, or whatever. But for me, it was so... Um, wrong for a sci-fi movie. It was so incongruous. It was like... so incongruous <laughs> that I just couldn't... I mean, I know you're not meant to take any of it seriously anyway, but it made it even harder for me to take any of it seriously because it was all like... You know, and I was like... During, like, high-speed chases and scenes of peril. Yeah, ridiculous. I love that. I guess to flip it then, so if the music for me was the strongest part of... Barbarella, and one of the only redeeming factors, mm. I would say that my biggest criticism of Wonder Woman is the music. Mm. Apart from the epic theme where she does the <clears> slow motion <throat> fighting, so good. As that, as that is a brilliant moment. But I guess we've talked about this before, the, the forgettability of a lot of music these days, and yeah, how you yeah. can kind of interchange the score for a lot of these superhero mm. films, and it's it's sort of retreating ground. Yeah, it was a, a little disappointing, I think, because in, in Batman v Superman, when one, the, this iteration of Wonder Woman is first introduced, 
her theme is like the highlight of the movie oh. and it's it's so different from the real foreboding like, rah, 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 stuff and then suddenly you have rock guitars come in is it the same rock guitar it is the same that's rock guitar that's a really cool yeah. thing yeah and it's um, such a statement in particular down yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but like that isn't it but yeah. not quite that but yeah um, and so in, in Batman v Superman it, it's such a breath of fresh air and it's so it's such a standout in the movie and in this the theme is still really good but the music around it where they mm. you know start having uh, more ambient music and it just feels really flat I, I do agree with that Jim. yeah yeah Can, uh, um, seeing as we're allowed spoilers for Barbarella anyway so what uh, this leads on to a point of like kind of having no real structure to the movie. What actually happens? Because I I didn't watch the end of and the Barbarella? movie. Barbarella? Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Let's matter. just tell the tell, tell the listeners that she basically goes around. She stops in at different planets. She has gets sex abused. with a bunch of strange people. Yeah. And, yeah. and even hand sex, which I didn't realize was I don't know if you ever watched the Coneheads, the SNL sketch that became a film, and mm-hmm. they have hand sex in that as well. Mm. Um, it's a it's a hilarious. It's a strange thing, eh? The sort of holding each other's hands. Yeah. But I mean, I, I written down that it's just such a convenient story. Things just sort of happen. Yeah. And then, oh, you need a key to get into that place. I have a key. Yeah, yeah. It's like, all right. Or like, um, she gets locked into a cage and attacked by birds. And, and then, then there's a secret tube that just appears. A secret tube appears. It's ridiculous. I, I will just say that this movie does feature two scenes. One where there's death by dolls and rabbits. Another death by Budriga, which... In a sci-fi, I want every sci-fi movie. What about Death by Dolls? Did you say Dolls? Dolls, Oh, Dolls, sorry. I need to say something else. Yeah, those dolls are terrifying. It's so randomly weird. And they're so cheap as well. Like the, (laughs) I mean, I I looked up the timeline. This is a movie like, what, five years after Thunderbirds and, you know, Jerry Anderson's Super Super Marination. And the effects in Thunderbirds far and beyond surpass those in Barbarella. It's hilarious. Yeah. The dolls have like, one joint on their little heads and their mouths just go rah, rah, rah. <laughs> but, it's, but it's super scary because of that mechanised antique doll kind mm-hmm. of way right we and don't want them scream? to be more chucky or anything it's yeah. like a scream like, yeah. Ah! Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. and again it's a point that I always come back to but the, that's what I like about the physical mm. effects is that there's something about those dolls for me that was really scary yeah. Like, yeah. it's so clunky you yeah, can but, but then feel you, like you also a, see like the blood on her legs and you can kind of relate one and one and say oh my yeah. gosh yeah you fill is, in the gap your yeah. brain yeah. just kind of naturally which is just does. as well but, because <laughs> the editor doesn't so yeah <laughs> I think yeah. it's the clunkiness though of the actual physical mechanism going mm-hmm. this yeah. horrible of the teeth it's like makes it something weighty compared yeah. to if it was CGI or some I don't know something that they'd do these days it just wouldn't have that same weight the, the, um, the use of animals also reminds me of a lot of 80s horror movies um, like uh, Creepshow where there's a scene with a lot of cockroaches where people would actually wrangle up hundreds of animals regardless of animal w- welfare just to make a scene look really scary or look mm. really yeah. cool yeah, yeah I was thinking um, that with the budgies I was like yeah. I'm sure some of those budgies are being it, hurt because she is like smacking them and going yeah. ah. and what happens in the end nothing oh um Pygar Pygar <laughs> Pygar Pygar saves them and they fly away with the with the you know the the great queen the the tyrant the, the dark tyrant. she becomes an ally for no real reason and there's some like weak line at the end where she says Pygar why are you helping her she took away your sight angels have no memories and that's the final line in the movie <laughs> <laughs> and then they fly away and now music dun, starts dun, 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 dun. 
So the cult following for this movie is very much like the room style kind of cult following. Um, just like this is ridiculous, right? Uh, I would say more more so in the room because there's of of course camp. I mean, it is it is so campy. Mm. I, I would say this is much much more akin to stuff like Flash Gordon, yeah, and uh, the yeah. Buckaroo Banzai as well, where. I, I think part, part of the camp is is intentional, mm. um, but just in retrospect, seeing the uh, kind of the nostalgia for the sixties, yeah, um, there's also that that huge elephant in the room. Well, let's yeah. should we shift? I'm keen to talk a bit more about Wonder Woman. I mm. mean, in terms of actually being a, a good film, <laughs> yeah. did you want to say something, Sarah? Well, I want to blow your mind with. Um, a total connection between the two films that you may or may not, and that listeners may or may not have picked up on. In Wonder Woman, and this isn't that much of a spoiler, Chris Pine has been, um, uh, is being looked after by the Amazonians, and he is bathing. And Diana, in her lovely, naive, sort of no-experience-of-men way, so therefore she, she walks into his bathing chamber... Uh, and he stands awkwardly to talk to her, and she's completely un—you know, she she's nonplussed about it, and uh, and she says to him, "Are you typical of Earth men? Are you the average man, or something? No, are you typical of of Earth men, or something?" And he says, "I'm I'm average," and then he sort of says, "Well, I'm I'm above average," and we all go, "Ha ha ha!" <laughs> In Barbarella, Dildano says to Barbarella, "Are you typical of Earth women?" And she says, "I'm average." Mm. Yeah. It's the same line. It's the same joke, eh? So it's I'm wondering joke. whether the scriptwriters and I googled it immediately and came up with no no connection. But mm-hmm. um, but so therefore I wonder whether the scriptwriter was of Wonder Woman had had you know yeah absolutely was um, so, purposely so interesting. So there so there is a conscious discussion about sex in both films. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I think that's one of the things that um, you know we talked about the complicated nature of some of those discussions in Barbarella. Um, and I think that's, that goes to stand for Wonder Woman as well. Like, I was quite impressed. Um, I'd actually forgotten about that scene, but particularly the discussions around women being able to enjoy the pleasures of sex without men and, um, and all of that. I, I think there's, there's some really interesting things going on. And I, I think placing this film at the time of first wave feminism, or effectively just after women got the vote in New Zealand anyway. Oh, you're talking um, about Barbarella. Sorry, I'm talking about Wonder Woman. Oh, right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, I think the discussions around sex sexuality representation uh for a for a, a popcorn film yeah i thought they did a really good job of balancing yeah. that and even things like having that joke as a man listening to that you have a little chuckle because you get the joke and so the intelligence of it like means you kind of feel like oh i'm in, in on this joke you know yeah you're, mm-hmm. you're on the in group but to be in that in group you're suddenly identifying with female uh, or femininity, which yeah. is which is a great little kind of maneuver yeah. in some yeah. ways. Yeah, that's true. Do you think there's something to say about the fact that he's, he, you know, the man's naked and she's observing him? Chris, oh, yeah. As true. opposed to yeah. flipping, yeah. flipping totally. the narrative? Because, okay, so what I have to say, I have to put my cards on the table and say that in Batman v Superman, when, when the Wonder Woman character was briefly introduced, I was... I was so disdainful. She turns up in an incredibly tight, low-cut ball dress... Um, and they're all like, oh, and this is the introduction of Wonder Woman. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to <laughs> sully myself by seeing that stupid movie when it comes out. It looks awful. And then watching Wonder Woman, I think that she's absolutely amazing and terrific. And mm-hmm. she never gets nude. And some people would say she's still wearing very tight clothes. Mm. 
But it felt to me, and I've written about this on my blog, for me it was female gaze more than male gaze because mm-hmm. I was enjoying looking at Gal Gadot's beautifully ironclad body and her thigh gap and things that, <laughs> and things that you know, some women might, might sort of, you know, crave um, mm-hmm. for themselves and, and, and enjoying her for that because none of it diminished her. I did it. I felt very much more like it was a female gaze rather than a male gaze because if it had been a male gaze, I think things would have gone differently for mm-hmm. the Wonder Woman character rather than obviously in Barbarella, which is just like everybody's gaze and she has to get all her kit off, you know, no imagination. Again and again. And That's again. right, again and it's, again and again. It's an interesting point. It had to be debated. And um, I, I did feel like that in some ways it did diminish it just a little bit. Not, not, nothing major. I think it was a prag- For me, it felt like a pragmatic necessity. To be a, a big um, blockbuster film these days, you've got this massive feminist um, thrust in this film. But yes, the girls are wearing tight, skimpy clothing, and the men may come along and go. At least I can watch this, or not. It's not like justifying it quite like this, but like maybe subconsciously, um, I don't mind so much. And I'm not saying that that's a good thing. I'm saying mm. that that might be part of. Uh, the people that are watching this. Some yeah. of I wonder whether, though, this Wonder Woman walks the same difficult line of women being empowered to say, if I want to wear a short yeah. skirt yeah. and not get raped, I, f- I will wear a short yes. skirt. So therefore, if I want to be able to fight, yeah. I don't want an overabundance of clothes. And it's it's cute because in Wonder Woman, she goes to that shop in... They're Victorian London, aren't they? She goes to the <laughs> shop and she's trying on outfits. And there's that beautiful shot of her in this huge dress and coat and everything. But she's, she's sort of trying to do high kicks to see whether she can still move like mm. she needs to. Mm-hmm. But in, of course, it's juxtaposed with this whole Victorian times where women were covered sort of, mm. you know, mm. neck to ankle and that sort of thing. Mm. Edward, Edwardian? Oh, Edwardian, yeah. whomever. Yeah. But you know what I mean. But you, okay, so, so, but you know what I mean. The yeah, fact yeah, is, yeah. when she's walking through the streets of London and her, and her cape flies open and Chris Pine, it's so gorgeous. He's so sort of um, chivalrous, although that's an outdated non-feminist idea as well. That she, he's like, you can't be seen. Put your cape around you. Mm-hmm. And she's very... Not I like this. She's I not even brazen. Yeah. She's just like, why should it even matter? Yeah. Yeah. So I hear what you're saying, Max, but yeah. I wonder whether the flip side of the thought is, well, why should she wear more? Maybe the, maybe the point is men shouldn't be looking at her sexually. She should be allowed to wear what she needs right. to wear mm-hmm. in order to function like an Amazonian warrior. Mm-hmm. I can, I can, I mean, I can hear that, and I can, I can understand. I think it's definitely worth. It's, it's an agreeable point. Yeah, I'm definitely on your side, at least halfway. But at the same time, I feel, I still feel a little bit like, um, to imagine that that women wear skimpy clothing. It, it's, it's kind of like this idea that if the women were left to their own devices, they would wear short skirts. Yeah. Uh, in in their own realm, and to imagine that that's all of their own doing and has no, nothing it's, to do with male gaze. It's hard to know. Yeah, or, totally. Or, or so male, like male domination of our society outside the film's yeah. world is kind of denying a, a, a pragmatic fact. Yeah. And I, it's part of... I think this film, sadly, it's, it's a small thing. It's mm. such a small thing. And the fact that they don't eroticize it is fantastic. They don't do anything more than yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this small thing is quite pivotal. I, I almost think they could not have not had her in that skimpy clothing. I think it's some a little kind of... Oh, I agree with buying. you. Buying. It's Hollywood like a little buying. Yeah, Hollywood would just wear... go, okay, we can do this, a onesie. but... 
yeah. put her in a be- like make her look good. Yeah, I think in terms of writing that fine line between creating something that has a message around feminine representation, but also kind of towing the party line, I think placing it in that time and and Chris Pine being able to say cover yourself up, yeah. it's a relatively safe way mm. for them to have that discussion because they can put forward these ideas, but people that perhaps think that we live in this great enlightened time can be like, oh, well, that's what it was like back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. You know, it's quite a safe mm, space. Nice, I think it was yeah. a very clever placing. Yeah. Um, I, and I think that the, 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 the mascara, the, the realm of, of the Amazonians, mm-hmm. um, I hear what you guys are saying, but I also was so uh, blown away by just the strength of those women. Yes. Mm. And, and I was reading about the, how they made the film, and Patty Jenkins, the director, was talking about that was the hardest part of the film. How do we create this cast of warrior women that are strong and fierce, uh, and but aren't those stick thin kind of um, mm. models that, mm. that maybe traditionally might have populated that realm? Mm. And she said they were going to uh, Olympic athletes, and they, you know, mm. and there's, there is this great um, diversity within those women mm. and those warriors. But mm. I fully believed that they yeah. could kill me, yeah. and. Um, and I, I think that, sure, I, I hear what you're saying, Max, in terms of how much of this is male gaze uh, and how much of this is functionality. I know that they talked about in the design of their costumes. It was very much about, okay, what would be functional for these okay. warrior women that ride horses and shoot arrows yeah. and, and flip around and, and do all sorts of crazy things with, with cliff hooks. It's not and, too different from Xena, is it? It's very similar to Xena. But it's, 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 it's shorter, though, than Xena. Xena... Xena felt more sexualized I feel as though I mean one but one thing I would say it's a small point but at least when they're riding horses they're all in sort of metallic breastplates and that sort of thing so there's none of that Pamela Anderson in Baywatch on a horse kind of boobs going up Mm. and down thing so you're right when you say Max it's not sexual it's not eroticized Mm. viewing I think it's a hard call you know it's a very hard call and it's a hard call for me as a a woman who there are so many films that I can criticise for being all male gaze all the time uh, and issues that I might have with some of the Suicide Squad characters and that sort of thing and and yet a big part of Wonder Woman for me comes down to it hit something in me that I didn't even know Mm. existed Mm. or was needed and I'm not a cynical person at all, but but I I've I've and I'm fairly I'm very confident and quite sort of strong willed, and I've never felt sort of embattled for being female. Mm. But two times in that film, Wonder Woman, I got quite choked up and was mm. very surprised mm. about it when I saw this woman on screen doing empowering things. And at the time, I couldn't really understand what it was that my body was responding to because it's like we've all seen female heroines before and, and you know and I, I grab for Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs or Uma Thurman in Kill Bill or you know there are myriad more examples um, and yet there was something about it that made me go oh my goodness it's so wonderful to see mm. somebody behaving this way mm. and and the only things I could grasp at um, in, in thinking about it afterwards were To me, Wonder Woman, for starters, doesn't act like a man. She manages to maintain acting in a very compassionate way, a very peace and love driven way. She's never aggressive. She doesn't swear. She doesn't have to resort to um, angry or what what one might consider male tropes in order to be successful. 
And, and I think back to my beloved Jodie Foster in Silence of the Lambs and how Clarice Starling has to adopt a lot of male mm. uh, ways mm. in order to survive oh, this in is that a classic thing of like you have Margaret Thatcher or something and it's like hey we've got these um, female strong leaders women. strong mm. female leaders and it's like there's a lot of talk that to be in that position they have to act like men yeah absolutely. so you're right and so now we're, we're you're, something you're going about Wonder that. Woman didn't have to do that and mm. it was fine for her to leap in front of Chris Pine with these lovely metallic cuffs yeah. and save him from a bullet um I don't. I. I. And I. I'm so sorry. I still can't really articulate the difference that Wonder Woman made. But all I know is I came out of it feeling that way, not realizing until later that women around the world have been getting emotional about Wonder Woman, yeah. and female mm-hmm. film critics around the world have been feeling emotional watching Wonder Woman. So there's something in it. Mm. There's some sort of magic. I completely there. agree. It's like it was a little bit for me like watching Moana. The feeling of something in my gut. Yeah. Of being, this is so right. This is there's something here that just feels like that overwhelmed me a little bit and was beyond logic in, yeah. in a lot of ways. And it was um, visceral, very like visceral. Thing, hey. um, and I felt it with Moana, just going like, this is just we we need this, and this is so positive. Um, and I felt the same way with Wonder Woman. Mm. Excellent. Mm. Well, team, I think it's come to the end of our podcast. So should we do some final words? Uh, William, you haven't had as much a chance to speak today, so do you want to start us off with some final words about Barbarella and Wonder Woman? Yeah, um, well, this might be a voice of dissent, but I, I actually, I, I um, unfortunately liked Barbarella a lot more than Wonder Woman, like genuinely Ooh. so. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll try and articulate, articulate this um, in a way. Uh, I just, I thought Wonder Woman was, was fine. Um, I didn't enjoy it that much more than any of the other DC movies. I, I think for me, it's killed comic book movies for me. I, I'm sorry, but I, I don't want to see Suicide. Um, well, no, I don't want to see Justice League. I, I don't think I, I maybe Spider Man, but the Marvel movies look pretty lame coming up. Thor Ragnarok, uh, maybe. Um, maybe it's just comic book fatigue. But I, I think all the flaw, um, and this is a very personal thing. Um, all the flaws in the DC movies, they're not, they're not there in Wonder Woman, but Wonder Woman just feels like a Marvel movie. That's, right. you know, it's, mm. it's much more lighthearted, it's the origin story, there's like a romance, there's, there's this and that, and nothing about it uh, apart from, okay, maybe the, the No Man's Dance scene was really awesome, mm. but everything, everything else, like the Themyscira, it, it just it didn't feel like good world building. Everything was very um, tell, not show. Uh, and the we haven't talked about the finale, but I hated the finale, and maybe that's why mm. like my overall views of the movie are those, taken down a notch. Those big CGI set pieces, oh, are horrible boy. ways to finish movies. Why did they, they do that? Yeah. And just like it's just like a massive area. And it's just like okay, yeah. we get a big field, <laughs> and then and we're just going to put some CGI. And, and, and that's because like, it's oh, cheaper and it's easier to hide, so the, hide the scenes. Um, but but I, I did feel the movie, I wanted the movie to go one way with its villains and its themes, and it did not, and again, that might be why I, I disliked the movie, or didn't like it that much. Um, in fact, it doubles down and says, oh, actually, the world is black and white, and you can punch evil in the face and win. And that's, it's so simplified, and for something like, you know, talking about World War One, which is it's just a hodgepodge of, of d- diplomatic messes, uh, to simplify it down to, I, I defeat Baddie and the world is safe for now, uh, seemed very disingenuous to me. And I don't know if that's a script problem or if that's something they were trying to deal with. Um, but it, 
I just did not enjoy that. Yeah. Um, Fair call. Yeah. I think for me that felt almost beside the point. But yeah. It was kind of like, it was kind of almost like um, Get Out, where I didn't really care what happened um, to everybody once, like once we knew what the basic political thrust of the film was, I knew it was about that, and the, the actual plot in some ways could just kind of resolve itself however it wanted, because I knew what <laughs> the vibe was. And I kind of felt the same way with this a little bit. Uh, well, I mean, with Chris Pine's fate, um, I'm not going to spoil things, but it, you've just seen it so many times before, and... I mean, how they set up set it up in the movie is just it, it makes no logical sense. But anyway, that, that's neither here nor there. Uh, on the flip side, Barbarella, I I like genuinely enjoyed, and I think I will rewatch it uh, in the future. Um, wow! <laughs> sorry, you guys are making faces. <laughs> no, no, good on you. Good on you. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's the kind of movie that it's just, it was fascinating to me. Um, I, I haven't seen too much sci-fi from the sixties. I think I've seen quite a bit from the seventies and eighties. Um, but just that period, I mean, it came out, oh gosh, in the same year as 2001. Mm. And you cannot have two movies that are more different from one another. Yeah, true. And yet, it, it is, you know, her spaceship is lined with shag carpet for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> we need some <laughs> reason. It's obvious. Ah, it's uh-huh. so that when she falls over into it, yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah. But, but just everything, the production design, the music, the, the weird attempt at trying to take a, a far-out like comic book and adapting it was so cool. And the ways that they failed big time and the way, ways they succeeded, like, I can just imagine the director telling the, the music people, okay, so it's got to be weird, it's got to be otherworldly, and the, the music people just bring in their synthesizers. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all of that stuff I, so I found fascinating. Do you enjoy it in a kind of nostalgic, labyrinth kind of way? Kind of, but I've never seen it before, so... Mm. And I wasn't alive during and is that it pretty, period. It yeah. must be pretty early for... Is it pretty early for sexploitation movies? Oh, it's around that time. Oh, They're all happening around, around that time, time. Okay. yeah. All right, Max, what's your, what's your final words? Um, my final words would be... Uh, Barbarella, I did, I did enjoy the music and the set. The music and the design, but it's, it's, it's terrible politics. I thought it would be more... I, I mean, the fact that it came up on lists of feminist films... I thought it would have more strength to it, but... She does um, get top billing, and I think that would have been a big true. deal. That's true. There's a lot in here, I guess. But of, so she of, should. <laughs> she's, she's, she's the main actress, yeah. and she's moving around and doing her own thing, but she kind of just is a bit confused for most of the time. Um, and I, I think what was most interesting for me with these, the, these two films is I was interested in the politics of how you do it. How do you, how do you have a feminist message... And how do you do it well and communicate this to lots of people? Um, and I think, obviously, Wonder Woman does that fantastically. In a kind of subtle way, it's not, yeah. it's not overblown. I, I, I've talked about these little trade-offs, marginal trade-offs, in which we don't all necessarily agree on. But I think that's the best way to do it. I, I was interested in maybe would compare this... Uh, Wonder Woman to another film which was more hardcore feminist like we're going to show you the hard life that females go through and this does it in the opposite way right Wonder Woman's like we're going to make this fun but just underlying it is going to be a partly like a kind of subtle um, feminist message I love things like for example at the start of the film when it goes like there's a real problem with the world and it's like a lot of the male viewers, a lot of the viewers in general would just think, oh, okay, it's a superhero movie. That's a superhero trope. There's a, there's a problem with the world. But it's clearly, obviously, talking about this dark side of humanity, which is male, male domination. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I loved that kind of thing. 
Mm. Um, I really enjoyed Wonder Woman. I, I, I could give you the, the third act, William, definitely when you say all that, and obviously we don't want to spoil it, but yeah, there, there is definitely uh, some oversimplification. But I, had already, I was already feeling great superhero fatigue. I'm really over them. Mm. And I love superhero films. I do. Uh, some of my favorite films are superhero movies, but I've given up on the last four ones that have come out. And so I even messaged everybody, you know, we have, an, we have a Facebook chat, and I said, oh, I just wasn't even looking forward to seeing it because I'm just so over them. Mm. Uh, but I think the fact of seeing a, an island full of warrior women, uh, seeing them deal with these ideas finally, it's like I left the cinema and there was two women that were leaving kind of next to me, and they said, oh, it's taken flipping 15 years or whatever it was for this to come out. Um, it's both a celebration but also kind of a little bit, a little bit sad that this, is, this has become... This has become the film that yep. gives you that Sarah. That, 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 yes, mm-hmm. yes, that's 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 a that's a hero that I can and, yeah. I can relate to. Sorry to jump in on your last words, but the most amazing thing about it, I think, has got to be for the young woman. Yes, going mm-hmm. into that, that is so great for them to and grow up yeah. a seven-year-old or something like that. Or an eight-year-old, ten-year-old, fourteen-year-old, <laughs> and to just be like, "This girl is amazing. That's who I want to be. That's yeah. super cool." Yeah, and uh, and then Barbarella, I I really enjoyed the first half of it, um, and then I got a bit you get a bit bored because the story is just so episodic and so ridiculous that you kind of like ah. Oh. But visually, it was really impressive. The, the soundtrack was great. I thought Jane Fonda's performance was fantastic, even if her character was rubbish. Mm-hmm. Um, she she has such an energy about her, and you can see why she's become such an icon. Mm. Having not really done much else in terms of creatively, um, she's become a very active political figure, which is interesting. We never really touched on mm. that, that she's become a very strong advocate for, for women's rights. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that... I was actually really looking forward to this chat. I thought... There was a lot to, to, of connections to made and, and uh, to be made, and I think we've made some. We've made some of them, and yeah, it's been fun. Mm-hmm. Sarah. Um, well, Barbarella. Um, it was fine. Look, I didn't find it remotely offensive, and I think it's it's because uh, it was so obvious that there wasn't anything to really be shocked about, and it's nothing that we haven't seen before, and it's of its time. Blah 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 blah. Um, and I think if I, if I have any objections to Barbarella, it was just that it didn't really engage me. I wasn't that interested because the mm-hmm. story was dumb. And all of the acting was dumb, except Jane Fonda, whom I thought was terrific. And mm. I love her voice, and I thought she was so invested in the role. Um, mm. and, and just, you know, you can That's see... That's quite empowering Yeah, as well. and you can mm-hmm. see why she became... Why she has, you know, went on to be such a terrific actress. And she's just... She's such a presence as well. She like, is a presence. Yeah. And so she's great. And that's fine. And I, and you know, I hear you about the music, which I think is delightful in any other context but Barbarella. <laughs> and I hear you about the production design, which is cute in uh, ch- children's TV yeah. or Doctor Who. But Reminded for me, me of uh, Willy Wonka and Chocolate Yeah. And, and, and I couldn't suspend my disbelief and didn't care to. So it was fine. At least I've done it now. Um, Wonder Woman, um, you know, I, I had a, a very visceral reaction to Wonder Woman and I'm really looking forward to, to hopefully seeing it again and seeing how it holds up. In terms of its being just a, a film or a superhero film, I think it was a superior superhero film and I too had had fatigue. And as I said to you, you know, when I saw the trailer initially and when I saw Batman v Superman, uh, I had no interest in watching Wonder Woman at all. So it... it, it surpassed any expectations I had. It's still, for me, only a four-star movie. Um, the, the final act, you know, was a little bit laboured. 
um, and did just sort of fall into sort of ordinary tropes and it felt a little bit long but there was so much about it that I loved the humor I thought Chris Pine was terrific did I mention I've met Chris Pine as well <laughs> actually met him during the interviews for the uh, Star Trek movie and he was very ordinary in real life and he's not somebody that I've ever thought, thought was particularly charismatic or handsome but he surpassed expectations in the film as well so Wonder Woman was delightful and all I'll say is watching Barbarella Duran Duran yeah <laughs> that's how they got the name yes yeah. and they keep repeating it as well yes all yeah. the time but look that's Duran Duran and then that, that so that threw me as well it's such a weak pop point yeah <laughs> all right thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema in Context if you enjoyed our podcast then please share it with your film loving friends you can listen to Cinema in Context through SoundCloud or through Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and we're even on YouTube. These are great places to leave us comments, let us know what you think of the episode, or maybe give us suggestions for future films. Look out for our next episode in a month's time, and until then, ka kite anō.